everybody get your Bible out. So you got your Bible with you? We're going to get your get your Bible out, whatever version you brought it. Um, we're gonna we're gonna go through. Uh, I'll just tell you in advance. Uh, let me preface this. Uh, this morning is heavy. So this morning's topic is going to be uh, a, a bit heavy. Um, but I'll tell you, uh, I've been, I've had several conversations over the last, oh, I would, for sure over the last month, uh, but really intensive over the last couple of weeks of, uh, of uh, people I've been uh, chatting with who are dealing on some level with, uh, with grief, with mourning. And so uh, I, I wanted to, uh, wanted to go through some things as in, in, in the preparation for Sunday, uh, or actually on Thursday morning, just really felt strongly that the, this was the topic that the Lord wanted me to address, was the topic of grief. What does it look like to go through grief? What does it look like for mourning? So uh, even at the outset, you may say, whoa, that's a, little, <laughs> that's a little heavy. I was actually trying to have a happy end of the summer. Thanks. Um, <laughs> but uh, the, the, goal is certainly, the goal is certainly not to be in any way a downer, but the reality is, and this, this is an absolute reality, every single one of you on some level uh, has either already dealt with grief and mourning for some reason. We're going to go through some of the reasons why people do that, or it's coming. And I would say 99% of you uh, have, already, have already had moments where that is the case on some level. And uh, what I've seen is that we, in, in the Christian world, we don't quite know how to process that. And we either don't know how to talk about it, uh, we, we don't know what the proper process is, we don't know if there is a process, what, how is God involved, is it okay for there to be a process of grief and mourning, uh, kind of a, a, a range of different responses. Uh, so what I wanted to do this morning is go through that, is what does it look like from the perspective of a believer what does it look like to go through grief and mourning? So um, with that said, so I wanted to just kind of give you the, uh, just tear the Band-Aid off quickly, tell you what we're going to be talking about. Um, because you, even though you may, if you're not going through a season of grief and mourning right now, please don't check out. Uh, because y- y- it's so important. Um, because you will go through it. And I can promise you this too. You're going to walk beside somebody who is going through it as well. And knowing what that looks like. We, we have biblical examples of people that did not do that well. And it's damaging to a friendship. So uh, what does it look like to walk through that with somebody else? So um, let's just ask the Lord for help in this topic. Um, and let's ask the Holy Spirit for understanding. Because he's the only one that can bring and give uh, truth. So let's pray and, and ask God uh, to speak this morning. And, and God, that is exactly what we, what we want this morning. Uh, we don't want to hear... We certainly don't want to hear Kendall's best ideas for this. We want to hear your heart for those in, in going through grief and uh, in mourning. And God, we just pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak directly to each one of us. Uh, Father, I, I just know that uh, the reality of the topic this morning is that simply by mentioning it, there are so many who have already thought of personal situations. That for some, this is going to be difficult in that it'll bring up uh, hurt from the past. It'll bring up maybe sadness from the past. Maybe it's something they're going through right now. And we just know, God, that there is only one who can speak hope and life and healing into every one of those situations. There's only one. And it's, and it's by your Spirit that that happens. And so we just ask um, for just a mighty move of your Holy Spirit in, in this room as we cover this topic. 
that we, uh, as your people, would be willing to listen to you, that we would, uh, we would submit ourselves to what you would have to say, and then that we would be willing uh, to hear you and be transformed by your word. So ultimately, at the end of it, that's what we ask for, that you would transform us. Um, and so we ask this in the name of Jesus, and we pray uh, and tell you, Holy Spirit, that you have absolute freedom in this room. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, uh, just as, this is a side note before we get into it. I thought it would be really interesting to share with you. Um, I got an email this week uh, from, uh, from actually, uh, my mom. I email my mom. <laughs> I love my mama. Uh, and uh, she, she had found this story. Uh, they actually found, uh, archaeologists uh, in the Middle East found, uh, do we have a picture of that? They found, uh, this is the picture of the story, I think. Uh, do we have a picture of the story? So what this, what this is, basically what this is, they found um, the, a, a gate to the city where they believe that Goliath um, lived. And it's, uh, so it's not a gate like you, it's not that doorway, right? So it's this massive, massive entryway um, to this, uh, to the city. And I don't, I actually don't know what that is. Um, it looks archeological and like it's in the Middle East. So we'll say it's part of the story. I thought I had a picture of the story, but I, I'm, I must not have. Um, anyway, so they found it. Anyway, I just thought that was really cool. So, um, they, they found that gate and, uh, they also found a, uh, a massive, um, iron production facility, uh, within the, within, uh, that, that city. So, we know the weaponry that Goliath used and, and, the, uh, and the armor that Goliath wore, and they found this, this massive iron production facility uh, there. So uh, anyway, that gate is mentioned in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and the size of that, of that gate, and they found it. I just thought that's cool. Um, that, so anyway, on to grief and mourning. You guys are all looking at me funny. Take that picture down, whatever we do. Take that. <laughs> Everybody's like, you're looking at it sideways trying to figure out how is that a gate, you know? <laughs> It's not. I don't know what it is. Okay, so. Well, as I prayed, and has been, it has been certainly heavy on my heart as uh, I have been thinking about talking about this with you this morning, I realized that uh, in, in talking about this, what it's going to do, if you don't totally shut me off, which some of you may well do, and that's totally okay, um, but if you don't do that, then the, just the nature of the topic this morning is going to bring you probably into a very uh, a personal moment. You're going to think about, if we're going to talk about grief and mourning, you're going to think about those moments where that has uh, occurred. So my goal here is certainly, if, you have, uh, if you're in that uh, right now, hopefully that this is helpful. Um, and, and, but if, if you've processed it in the past or not process, processed it well in the past, hopefully this is helpful. If you know somebody who is going through some level of grief and, and mourning, it is vital that you know what the scripture says about it and the right process and how to encourage them. Um, b- because uh, many of you will walk through uh, that with your friends, uh, with your family, and we need to know what does the Bible say about it. So I know that this is going to be personal this morning. And again, as I prayed, my encouragement to you would be um, ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Ask the Holy Spirit to uh, walk you through your own grief and to help you learn to walk others uh, through it as well. So go to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. You probably already know this is a, this is a kind of a uh, funeral passage, if you will. You hear this a lot at, at, at funerals. Um, 
But this is the, there is a time for everything passage. And I just want to know, I'm not going to spend a lot of time there, uh, but in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse uh, verse 4, it says within this uh, buildup of there's a time to, a time to, of of all these different things, in verse 4, it says there is a time to weep and a time to laugh. There is a time to mourn and a time to dance. So there's a time to weep, a time to laugh, Verse four: A time to mourn, and a time to uh, time to dance. So, right there, it tells us that two things about mourning. Number one, uh, that there that it is going to occur. There are going to be seasons in our life where we're going to weep, where we're going to mourn. Those are uh, those are natural. It's part of being a human being. We are going to go through those seasons. But it also tells us this: that it is intended to be just that. It is intended to be a season. Okay. So there's it, it, now seasons can vary in our lives of how long these periods are, but it is intended to be a season, meaning that it is. And we're going to talk about this in a minute. But meaning that it is a process. So mourning and weeping is a process that has a beginning and that is intended to have an end. Right. But it is something that we will all uh, we will all at some point uh, go through. Now, why is that? Why do we go through grief? Why do these moments occur in our lives? And I think it is, uh, there's a lot of different reasons why we go through them. We, we go through grief and mourning sometimes when, our, when dreams fade. You ever had one of those where something that you held as a, as a hope and a dream of your life began to not be a reality? There's a process of mourning. There's a process of dealing with that reality that what I thought was going to occur is now not going to occur. A, a huge one that we deal with is when relationships change or when relationships break. And this is, there's lots and lots of different levels to this, but in relationships, there's mourning all of the time. Uh, you know, I remember my first mourning in a relationship. I got broke up with uh, in the fourth grade on the playground. It's a wrong place, ladies, to break up with a boyfriend on the playground. Uh, not okay, but there was a process of grief and mourning. And so when relationships change or break, I don't mean just dating relationships. And when you lose somebody you love, that's a relationship that's changing or, or uh, moving into a new season. There's mourning uh, that occurs uh, because we are relational beings. Uh, there's mourning that occurs when people uh, betray our trust. You ever had one of those uh, where you, you held somebody in a high regard, you, held, you gave somebody a level of access into your life, you trusted them on a certain level, that trust was broken and betrayed, and now that relationship changes, and there's a level of mourning, there's a level of sadness uh, that goes with relationships changing. Um, and then there's this, there's this mourning that Jesus speaks of. Go to Matthew chapter 5, and this is an interesting way that Jesus talks about Morning, but but did you know that he speaks about it uh, in his Sermon on the Mount in the Beatitudes? He actually calls it a blessing for there to be mourning. So go to Matthew chapter five, and we're going to see the context of it. So it's a very short passage, Matthew chapter five, verse four, and Jesus says this is the very beginning of the Beatitudes. He says, "Blessed are those who mourn." So Jesus attaches blessing to mourning. He says, "Blessed." are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Now, based on the context of what he's teaching, I believe that what he is saying, in the con- again, in the context of what he's teaching in the Sermon on the Mount, 
because uh, you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7 is kind of the, uh, the way to live a kingdom life. It's like the dynamics of a kingdom life. This is the culture. These are the rules. This is, the, this is normal in the kingdom life. So, the, so part of that is uh, blessing uh, for those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I believe what he's talking about is that we live, there's a gr- level of grief for us, a level of mourning for us as we live in a broken world, in a world that is uh, separated from God and in a world that is, we continually watch itself, in a, in a sense, self-destruct because of sin. Think about this on a personal level. Do you know anybody who you care deeply about who does not know the Lord, who's separated from God? And you watch their decisions, you watch their, their, uh, their actions, you watch, in a sense, the, the hopelessness in many t- ways of their life. Does it cause mourning in you? Yeah, there, there, there is nothing, man, for some of us that hits really close to home. For some of us, family members. I've got some family members that don't know the Lord. People that I love deeply. People that there, there is nothing more important to me than for them to know the Lord. But they don't and they've continued to refuse. They've continued to scoff at an idea of God. They've continued to reject. And it, it causes great mourning in me. It is a difficult thing because I love those people so much. And we all have those relationships. But I believe what Jesus is talking about here is that there, there will be comfort for those who mourn uh, ultimately. But we mourn because we live in a lost and broken world. And we watch our fellow men separated from God walk through life without knowing Him. Ultimately, I think that mourning and grief comes because God has given us a gift of being relational. Have you ever thought about that? More than any other created thing, we have the ability to connect with one another in a deep, intimate, relational way. What a gift that is. Now, does that come with brokenness? Does that come with hurt when, when those things change? And does that come with mourning? Absolutely, we're going to talk about that. But it is, the, it is the ultimately, at the core, it is a blessing that God has allowed us to have relationship with one another. And think about what he's done in terms of relationship. First of all, God's called us into relationship with him. So God has made us relational beings to the point where he calls himself our father. He relates to us. uh, He speaks about our relationship with him as a bride and a groom. And everything in the heart of God to his people is relational, right? So first God has called us to be relational with him. And then God has given us this gift of being relational with one another. And within the confines of the church, what he said is that those relationships will actually strengthen and grow you in me. That as you, as you bond together under the banner of the blood of Jesus, as you bond together, you're going to be strengthened and encouraged. You're going to be better together than you are separate because of this thing called relationship. He's given us this incredible gift to glorify him called marriage. Relationship of, uh, of a man and a woman coming together in this relationship called marriage, which ultimately glorifies glorifies God and becomes a picture of Christ and the church. What an incredible gift because of that word relationship. And so we have, excuse me, we have grief because God has given us the gift of relationship. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You better first, if you're going to endure grief in the right way, you better first be thankful that God has given us the gift of relationship. And know that because he's given the gift of relationship, there are seasons that relationships go through and there can be grief and can be mourning, but ultimately it is a gift.
the reason that there is grief and mourning in relationships is because in relationships, you don't just stand next to each other or sit next to each other or agree about the same things. In relationships, your hearts actually get intertwined, don't they? Think about people you love deeply. Think about maybe your family or your best friends or uh, think, think about people that you're really, really close to. This isn't just about liking the same things. This isn't just about agreeing on politics or sitting together at church. There is an exchange of heart. You give yourself to someone else in relationship. You trust them with your heart. They trust you with yours. And when those things change or adjust, it causes grief and mourning. But it's because our hearts get intertwined with one another. I was talking to a young man uh, about grief in terms of a relationship this last week. And in that conversation, God gave the clearest picture uh, that I've ever had about how we go through grief in our lives. And so that's what I want to do. I want to go through now what is the process of grief. So we talked about why we grieve. We talked about relationship. Uh, but, but what is now the process? This is really the meat of what we want to talk about. Now here's a picture. Uh, he, was, he was telling me about, uh, about him just processing before God, about having this, his heart broken and then processing before God. You ever do that? You ever just in like raw honesty process before God? Something happens and then you're like, God, where were you? Where were you in fourth grade when she broke up with me on the playground? Like, God, where, where, how could you let that happen? Right? Yeah, I'm seeing the amens, dudes. Yeah. Amen. All right. But seriously, there's this moment where, where our hearts get broken, where something severs in our heart, and that process of grief begins. And hopefully, there's an opportunity in you. And we try to squelch this sometimes. Because we, we go, well, maybe this isn't quite proper before God, but there's this immediate moment of raw honesty before the Lord that is so necessary in grief. He wants for you to pour your heart out to him. You ever read the, you ever read the Psalms? That's pretty much all that it is. is. Is David and others expressing the raw emotion of their heart, going, God, this is what I see. This is how I feel. And it's just kind of this back and forth conversation. So here's the picture that God gave me. That grieving before the Lord is a duet. It's a duet in this, that God wants you to sing your verse. And your verse is first. Sing your song of grief loud to the Lord. In the moment where that, where that break occurs, God wants to immediately hear your verse. It is okay, God is big enough to hear you say, where were you? God is big enough to hear you say, I don't know what this means about how I now feel about you, God. He can, he can take it. God is big enough to take the raw honesty of your heart. In fact, he welcomes it. But where we often make a mistake in that phase is either we squelch that because we believe that's somehow unrighteous, that God can't handle it, or that that's improper, that God shouldn't be able to speak that way before God. I don't know how you were raised, but, some, but sometimes we, we, we look at, to a model of very prim and proper religion and we go, there's no place for like a raw honesty before God. And I want to tell you that there absolutely is, and the scripture is full of it. Men and women that just express their heart back to God. So don't squelch it. Don't remove it. And here's the other mistake we make, though. It's often all that we do is sing the first verse. Often all that we do is we have that moment of raw honesty before God, and then we walk away. 
Grieving and mourning is a duet, and the first verse is yours, and God wants to hear. But don't miss his verse. Don't miss the gift of being able to pour out raw honesty before God and then stop. Because he, wants, he has a song that he wants to sing right back over your heart, and he wants to specifically address everything that you just said. But so many of us miss the beauty of the process of mourning with God because all we do is shout at him and walk away. We don't ever get quiet and go, and God, how do you respond to the way that I feel? How do you respond to what I'm experiencing? And so here's what happens. Truth never gets shed on the experience that we're in. So we begin to live out the, the grief and the mourning of our lives based on our perspective of it. And how many of you know that when you're in the middle of grief and mourning, when you're in the middle of a big emotional moment, your perspective is awful. Everything's bigger than it should be. Nothing fits in like the grand scheme of the whole story. And here's the deal. Here's the beauty of it. God wants to hear that from you. He wants to hear the raw honesty of your heart. But here's the deal. God has the right perspective and you don't. And if you don't stop to listen back from the Lord, God, what is truth? Here's how I feel. But I need you to speak back to me what you see. You're going to miss the perspective of your morning. You're going to miss the timeline that it's in. You're going to miss what God is doing and all of it. You're going to miss him speaking back over you what's real and what's true. And the danger is that in your mourning, if you don't ever listen to God, that in your mourning and in your weeping, you make assumptions about God that are not true. He's okay with you saying wrong things about him, but he wants to say back to you right things about him. Don't miss that. God's okay with you saying, where were you? You were absent. He can hear that. But he wants to say, I was right there. He wants to point to the spot where he was, where he spoke to you. You know what I'm saying? He, he wants to, he's okay hearing what you think, but he wants to tell you what's real. And if we miss that, we miss a huge element of the process of mourning. So mourning and grieving is a duet. And the beginning of it is realizing that I can be honest before God, but I also need to listen to him. That's the first piece of grieving. You guys all right? The second piece is that we grieve in community. And this is another one that's hard. Some of you made faces when I said community. Because I know, I know, and I'm this way. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm an introvert. I know, it's, I know it's weird because I have to hold a microphone every Sunday. But I'm an introvert. I, I, I don't, like if my wife tells me we've been invited to a wedding, I start sweating. Because <laughs> you know what a wedding is? It's small talk. For like hours. Anybody else sweating? Like I'm now I'm like, oh gosh, like I can't even think about weddings, right? Uh, anywhere where there's small talk freaks me out. Because I'm like, I'm this, I'm this introvert. And the, the, the way that I like to have relationships is where there's a few small people and we talk about deep things and, and we can, I, I can trust them and I can wear my, my Crocs with socks around them and I know they're not going to judge me. I do that and uh, I, don't have to, I don't have to be different, right? I can just be raw and honest before these people, but I can also ask them, what's the Lord teaching you and expect an honest and genuine response? That's where I thrive. And I'm not saying that you extroverts don't thrive there, but you guys hear about a wedding and you're like, yes, I got to figure out where I'm gonna, what I'm going to wear and what I'm going to, not just girls, but uh, you know, you, you, right? so you guys, Right? So the danger is that many of us, especially on the introverted side, so listen to me, introverts, especially on the introverted side, we don't grieve in community. We, we try to grieve in isolation. 
And God has built us for community. Now, extroverts, you, you grieve uh, a little too much in community. <laughs> I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about that. The introverted side of us, we, we step back and try to get in isolation. There's two things that I feel like really bring isolation in the church. One of them is sin. If one of your friends disappears, go check on them. Because they're either in grief or mourning or they're in deep sin. Right? If, if, if one of your friends just falls off the map, if you can't quite get, or, or you did something they didn't like, and that's good too because there's an opportunity for conversation. But generally, we get in isolation when we are in habitual sin or when we're in grief and mourning. So introverts, we try to go away from community. Extroverts, here's what you do. You love processing in community. You love telling people about how sad and how broken and whatever you are, and then you begin to thrive because you believe that they're accepting you based on your brokenness. And so then it becomes all that you talk about. All that you talk about is, is your grief and your sadness, and you, and you believe that entrance somehow into that community, that the attention that you're given in, within that community is because of your grief and sadness, and then you let grief and sadness have a life of its own that it should never have. We both have error. Grief is, most, is meant to be in community. Now, I'm not going to go through this because this is often talked about in this context, and I think you probably know. But the only, the strongest picture of grief in the scriptures is the book of what? Job. I, you can't, you, you can't write a list of the things that that man experienced and even have a place to put it in your head. Like how, I don't know how, I mean he lost everything. Lost family, livelihood, everything. He became sick. Have any of you just been sick, like so sick that you can't move, right? And that in and of itself, by itself is rough. Well, okay, so on top of that, his wife and his kids, gone. His livelihood, gone. Everything, gone. Then he's just covered in sin. I mean, I'm just telling you, there, there, is, there is nobody on the planet that has ever walked through what that man has walked through. And it's this picture of deep grief and mourning, and Job's going through it, and it's this, it's this very raw and honest book of the Bible. But I want to show you that, that um, he tries to process it in community, uh, and his friends start good, and, and then they start feeling like their opinion is really what is important. And they begin to give advice uh, instead of just being with Job in the process. And it breaks. The frustration occurs. God condemns their, uh, their discussions. Um, their, Job's friends err when they, when they think that grieving in community means I've got to give answers to this man that is broken. Okay? Here's the, here's the, the uh, health of grieving in community. Go to Romans chapter 12. I do want you to see this. Everybody okay? Is it hot in here or am I just still recovering from talking about weddings? Okay. Because <laughs> I'm a little warm. <laughs> okay. Just kidding. I'm not actually. Uh, okay, so here we go. So let's just start in verse 3. We're in Romans chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 3. It says, So for, uh, by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of the faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts that differ uh, according to the grace given to us, let us use them. I wrote down wrong what I'm supposed to read. Hold on, I'll find it. Maybe not. 
Nope, that's the end of the chapter. I'm not going to find it there. Anybody know where he says mourn with those who mourn? Where did I miss it? Am I ha ha, 15. I missed a one. There we go. Okay. Well, we'll just keep reading to make me feel a little bit better. Having gifts, verse 6, that differ according to the grace given us, let us use them if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does uh, acts of mercy with cheerfulness. So you understand what he's talking about in, in, in chapter 12. He's talking about uh, community of believers. Let love be genuine, verse 9. Uh, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints, and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Now look at verse 15, we finally got there. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Here's how we read this. Be jealous of those who are rejoicing and give advice to those who are weeping. That's become our doctrine. We get annoyed when somebody else is rejoicing. We get, we get jealous of the rejoicing in somebody else's life. And when someone else is weeping and mourning, what we believe is that this is the perfect opportunity for me to give them my best opinion. The scripture says very clearly, there's a word that we need to catch. Bless, uh, I'm sorry, uh, rejoice. What's the next word? With those who rejoice and weep or mourn with, right? You with me? Come on. With those who weep and mourn. So what does that mean? Let me just tell you that there is, I'm not saying that we sit absolutely in silence, but I'm saying that your knee-jerk reaction to the mourning of your best friend should not be to give them your advice. We as believers ought to stop long enough to ask God, what does it mean to weep and mourn with those who are weeping and mourning. And here's what I believe that this looks like. To rejoice with those who rejoice and to weep with those who are weeping, I believe means to take on their victories as if they're your own and celebrate with them as if it is a victory that you saw won in your own life. I don't mean that from a selfish way. I just mean how excited are you when, you, when there's victory in your life? How, how incredible is that, right? When you just walk through a season of victory and, and, and you're overcome. Let's say you just, you've been struggling with something and all, and all of a sudden it's overcome in your life. There's great victory. It's great rejoicing. Well, when that happens in the life of your brother or your sister, rejoice as if it just happened to you with them. Participate in their rejoicing as if it is your own. And in the same way, take on their mourning as if it is your own. Most of the time, our advice comes because we don't want to take the investment that it takes in order to hold on to the morning that they're holding on to. It's way easier. Let me just say, if Dalton comes to me and tells me about mourning and sadness in his life, I have a choice. If I give advice, it keeps me from having to, to hold any of his hurt. You with me? That's way easier. I can distance myself from his pain if I just give advice. And it makes me feel good because I feel like I've participated in his life, right? I get to walk away and go, well, I hope Dalton, you know, that, that was really good advice. I hope he heeds it, right? And then I get to go home and go, hey, what's for dinner? What are we doing, you know? 
The other option is I say nothing. And he tells me about his hurt and his pain. And I spend the next few moments of my life asking God to let me walk beside him and carry what he's carrying. God, in whatever way you can, whatever way you can make it happen, put some of that onto my shoulders. God, and however that looks, let me cry with him. Let me mourn with him. I want to take on some of the sadness. I literally want to own it as if it is my own. That's a lot bigger investment in Dalton's life than just giving him advice. To mourn with those who mourn is not to give the answers. To mourn with those who mourn is to get right in next to them in the morning and literally carry the load. I've been, you guys are probably sick of it, absolutely sick of hearing about my stories of exercise. I'm sick of it too. <laughs> the very, we, there, we do this thing where you work with a partner. And the very first time I did this, uh, you, you, you guys know the, the, uh, the, the bench press bar and the squat bar, the big long bar. So the way he works is one person holds one end, the other person holds the other end. There's weight on it, and you, you do squats together. Doesn't that sound terrible? Like there's pain just do, me doing my own. Now I get to enjoy it with you. That's mourning with those who mourn, right? So, so you do these squats together. Well, the first time that I did it, I got paired with this guy who is six foot six and way stronger than me. Like way, and six foot six. So this is my second day. Here I am. <laughs> holding the weight. And here he is, holding the weight. So where's all the weight? Not on the strong end, friends. It's on the weekend, okay? <laughs> and here I am like quaking. Trying, and he, we, we get to like three and he's waiting on me, and it's like, okay, I'm, I'll be there in just a minute. You know? <laughs> but I think it's a good picture for what it looks like to mourn with those who mourn. It's one thing if I wear that on my back. It's another if I come along to Dalton and go, I see what you're carrying. Give me an end. Give me an end. And look, man, I may not be, I may not be equipped for this. I may not be ready. I may not have all the answers. I may not have all this taken care of. But just give me an end. I just want to jump in and grab some weight from you. I promise you this. You'll be more affected in the life of your friendships uh, where someone is mourning. You'll be way more effective if you're just willing to get in beside them when they're hurting and not bring the answers. Because let me just tell you this, when they're ready for your opinion, what will they do? They'll ask. Wait. Wait. Love them enough to shut up. This is my issue. I'm telling you. I'm, I find comfort in feeling like sometimes I can be the answer guy. And I've had to walk away sometimes and God's gone, what are you doing? I'm the answer guy. <laughs> I put you in the life of this person so you go walk beside them in this. I didn't put you there to have the answers. You know where they're going to get that? From me. And if I choose to use you in that, I will open your mouth. I open the mouth of a donkey. Kindle, you're similar. I can do it with you. Right? You with me? Mourning with those who mourn is being willing to carry the weight, not being willing to give advice. Your advice will be necessary as it's breathed by the Holy Spirit, and it will be powerful in that moment and when they're ready and ask for it. But until then, shut up and carry some weight. Okay? Grieving is meant to be done in community. Here's the last piece. The counterweight to grief is the gospel. There's got to be something that brings us out of grief, right? 
we said that there's a time for weeping, a time of mourning, and a time of grief, right? If that's true, then there's got to be a counterweight to the grief. There's got to be, if it's a season, then what is it that brings you out of the season? And, and just as a principle, the counterweight of grief is the gospel. Look at, look at this. Look at Isaiah 53. Go, go there and, and uh, I, I promise we'll find it quickly. I do know that this is right. Isaiah 53. Who's not going there because you think I'm wrong, huh? <laughs> Caught you. <laughs> You're like, we'll, sit, we'll wait till he really gets to where he's going. <laughs> Nobody? <laughs> Sometimes you just totally leave me hanging. I'm just telling you. <laughs> We're supposed to be having a conversation, and it's weird when you don't talk back. Okay. Hey. <laughs> Thanks. All right, Isaiah 53. See with me. So here's the deal. Um, all right, we had a, we had a laugh. Now we're going to get heavy again. So the counterweight to grief is the gospel. Every believer grieves in light of the cross. Your grief has to find its counterweight in the shadow of the cross. We all grieve in light of the cross. Listen, Isaiah 53, look at verse 4. Surely he has what? Born our griefs and carried our, st- our sorrows. Listen to those words. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Go to Isaiah 61. Who's it speaking of here in in, in both of these passages? Who are we speaking of? Uh, Scripture is foretelling Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. He has borne our griefs. Look at at, uh, Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Jesus quotes this later as his ministry. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance to our God. To comfort, how many? All who what? To comfort all who mourn. Listen to this. One of the most beautiful passages in the scriptures about the Messiah. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. The oil of gladness instead of mourning. The garment of praise, and some, some passages say instead of weariness, this one says, instead of a faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Look at the exchange that God wants to make. Look at the exchange. It says that he wants to grant to those who mourn, he wants to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. What's he talking about? Now, I missed on the last picture. Do we have a picture of someone in sackcloth and ashes? Do we have that? Hey! That's not the gate. So the scripture tells us, it's a uh, tradition that, that dates maybe even, maybe even before uh, we, we read it uh, of it in some of the scriptures, but the, the mourning, like where we get wearing black. You guys know that sometimes when some, somebody passes, you see everybody in black, someone in mourning. It's a, it's a visual symbol of somebody who's in mourning. Well, in the scriptures, what they would do is they would, it's, you, you read sometimes that they would cover themselves in sackcloth and, sackcloth and ashes. It, essentially, it's like wearing a burlap bag, okay? It's quite comfortable, right? 
It's like wearing a, a burlap bag and then covering themselves with ashes. That gray, what it is, is it is a symbol of mourning, but it is also a felt physical pain of mourning. How many of you know that a, that a uh, burlap bag, you're going to know that it's on you when it's on you? Any movement you make, you're going to know that it's on you. Can you ma- I mean, it's going to itch. It's gonna, some of you are getting like, oh, I can feel it now, right? Just, it's, it's a constant, but here's what it is. It's a constant reminder of what you're in. So it's two things. It's an inward thing. It's to constantly remind me of the mourning that I'm in. And it's also an outward expression of mourning within community. And here's what God says. I want to make an exchange. He says, I see those of you who are mourning, who are in sackcloth and ashes. And here's what he says. I want to give you a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. I want to give you the oil of gladness instead of mourning and the garment of praise instead of a faint spirit. So here's the deal. All grief and all mourning finds its rest and its uh, freedom, its deliverance in light of the cross. The work of Jesus is the solution, is the freedom from mourning. So when we mourn, we mourn in light of the cross. We mourn with the counterweight of the, of, of the gospel so that in our mourning, we know that though I'm walking through a season of mourning, this mourning has already been born on the cross, meaning the weight of this mourning has been carried on the cross. And ultimately, this is a season that I'm going to go through, and it's only a season because Jesus has already borne all of this weight. He's already worn all of it. That the resolution to all mourning, all sadness... All grief is in the cross. So we process in light of a victory that's already been given. We mourn and grieve knowing that the cross has already guaranteed our freedom from it. That Jesus has already taken the weight of what we feel like we're holding. And we're going through a season, not of bearing the own weight, we're going through a season of realization of what the cross really means. Are you with me? That's huge. Don't miss that. Mourning for the believer is not holding the weight for yourself and figuring out how to deal with it. Mourning for the believer is is coming through a process of realizing that all of what I think that I'm carrying has already been carried on the cross. And the process of grief is me just realizing how to live in that exchange. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Please catch that. Because if you don't, then you'll feel like grief is yours to deal with. Grief has already been dealt with. All mourning has already been dealt with. We're in our moments of grief and sadness. We're figuring out how to reconcile all of that under the cross. Jesus has already borne it all. And that he is going to make that exchange. He has made that exchange. And that in our realization of it, we get to wear a garment of praise. We get to wear oil of gladness. We get to wear a beautiful headdress instead of ashes. In Luke chapter 6, Jesus says, Woe to you who laugh now. You will mourn and weep. But to us, though we may have mourning and weeping now, all of it has been healed and resolved in the cross. We will deal with those moments of mourning and sadness, but they've already been dealt with in the cross. So, Here we go. I'll be fancy so that you know I'm almost finished. In conclusion, in conclusion, 
Mourning and grief are a part of life, friends. To try to circumvent that is a useless toil. It is a part of life. Some of you are in it now. Some of you are thinking about moments where you've been in it. Maybe you've dealt with it well. Maybe you haven't. And some of you, it's coming. Some of you, I don't know what's going to happen today. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Some of you, it's coming. But we know that the scripture gives us a hope in dealing with it. And we deal with it in, in, in three ways. Number one, we deal with it before God. And remember this, we deal with it before God in a duet. Don't forget that part. Sing your verse, but hush and let him sing his. Be willing in your grief to sit long enough and hear the response of God back to your heart. That's first. And then the second piece is we deal with grief and mourning in community. Let somebody, let us come alongside of you and carry a weight that you bear. That's how God designed it. That within the body of Christ, we can actually carry weight for one another. When you're rejoicing, let us rejoice with you. But when you're mourning, let us mourn with you. And be willing to mourn with somebody else. And then we, third, we deal with it with the ultimate security of knowing that all grief, all mourning has been dealt with in the cross and in the person of Jesus. He has literally taken all of it on the cross and shed his blood, been dead for three days and risen from the grave to defeat death, to defeat mourning, to defeat, defeat sadness, that we might live in joy. So here's what I want to do for you this morning. I want to pray because uh, here's what's on my heart to pray. I, I know that, like I said, some of you are dealing with it from the past, and some of you, it's coming, but there's some of you, and I've been astonished, this is just maybe a season where in this group we're dealing with a lot. I've, I've had a lot of these discussions lately. So if you're in the room and you are mourning, I'm not going to make you stand up. Don't quit sweating. <laughs> if you're in a season of mourning and grieving, here's the, here's the word I believe is to be given to you. It is not your destiny to stay there. You hear me? It is not your destiny to stay there. There is light. There is a morning. I don't mean a morning, M-O-U-R. There is a dawn that is coming. And that dawn is in the hope of Jesus. And we are with you, want to be with you. Don't shy away from letting us carry the burden with you. But if you are in a season of mourning, the word of the Lord this morning is simply this. You are not destined to stay there. He has not put you on this earth for an eternal season of mourning. He wants to give you a garment of praise. He wants to give you joy. And that is true from the Lord. So I want to just pray over you this morning. Specific, again, if you're, if you're in the room and it doesn't qualify for you, just intercede with me because there are those in this room right now who are in the midst of this and we just want to pray for you. So God, we ask that only, that you, and you're the only one that can do this. You're the only one that knows in the, the window in everybody's heart. You're the only one that sees the grieving in the morning. Some of us have done a really good job hiding it. Some of us have really come up with a pretty good strategy from hiding it. But God, you see it all. You see that some of us are still mourning things that have happened years and years and years and years ago. But because we didn't know how to deal with it, we never brought it to light. And we're still living in the wake of that mourning. Some of us, it's fresh. Some of us, we're, we're, we've heard news hours ago, weeks ago, days ago, that has broken our heart. And so, God, for those in this room that are right there where I said, 
God, we just pray that that word wouldn't just be a word, but that they would hear it directly from your lips, that you are not destined to stay here, that they would hear the word of the Lord speak over them. I am with you. I have already borne this for you. And I want to make a beautiful exchange with you to take from you this season of mourning and to give you joy. And I pray that they would trust you that it's a process. That just because sometimes it doesn't just happen overnight, that they would trust that their father is good enough to know the process that they need to go through in order for this thing to be sealed and done. And so I pray that we would trust you in the process. You are a good and perfect father. But there is light, there is a dawn. This dark season will not last forever because you are good. Let us pray that over this room and ask Holy Spirit to you, for you to do what only you can do and speak individually and specifically to hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I want to tell you I appreciate uh, you enduring. I know that that is a tough thing to talk about. Um, but I would, I would also tell you that I think that that is right there, that, that Romans 12, 15, 15, 15, <laughs> is a mark of, of real authentic community. You with me? You hear me? We can come together, wear the same t-shirt, sing the same song, sit together, act like we love each other. But when we rejoice with those who rejoice and when we mourn with those who mourn, I think that a new level, a deeper level of community has taken place. So pray for that here. Pray for that for your church. Pray for that within your group of friends, that there would be a deeper level of community and that God would let you see it in those ways when you rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn.